The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 46, The Monthly Mash with Andrew Roberts. Welcome to The Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. Before we get into this week's episode of the Monthly Mash with Andrew, I just wanted to quickly remind everyone uh, from last week's episode, I put out a new gift for everyone, and that is the Golf Rotational Centers Mobility Self-Assessment. Now, in this self-assessment, it is a PDF with some guided videos that will show you how to test yourself for your shoulder, mid-back, and hip mobility, and will go over how much mobility you need, and as well as if you have limited mobility, the various swing characteristics that you may exhibit in your swing, which may or may not cause to inconsistent shots and or possibly contribute to maybe some pain or discomfort that you're experiencing on or off the golf course. Now, also, when you get this assessment, you will also get in subsequent emails the fixes that will go over how to improve the mobility in your shoulder, mid-back, and or hips, depending on what you need based on your self-assessment. So go ahead. This is completely free. All you have to do is put your email in, and it will be sent directly to your email. And from there, you can go ahead and self-assess. If you have questions about the videos, if you're doing the test correctly, or anything about the fixes that get sent to you in subsequent emails, please feel free to reach out to me via email at joe at puredrivephysio.com, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions that you may have. So go ahead. The link to grab that self-assessment is located in the show notes, and it will be there, and it'll just take you to a page. You just type in a little bit of info, and you will have that email directly sent into your inbox. And if you don't get it directly into your inbox within five to 10 minutes, definitely make sure that your connection is good, but then go ahead and check your spam or any of those other junk folders just to make sure it didn't get put in there. But with that being said, I'd love for you guys to check that out. Really improve your mobility before the season really gets underway as things are really warming up just about everywhere around the country so that you can play your best golf and also feel your best off the course. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and you are listening to another edition of the Monthly Mash with myself and Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the show. Great to be back, Joe. Yes, it's been uh, another month since our last monthly mash. A lot of more major tournaments have have occurred and lots of changes and lots of new developments. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about the Masters because that's about two weeks away. And we're in the first day of uh, WGC match play. Um, so why don't we first talk about maybe some of the few tournaments that have gone on the past few weeks we can start with maybe the players that's that's the big notable one that's for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and uh you know the uh kind of interesting storylines obviously rory was the defending champion because if we all remember last year uh they played one round hideki matsuyama shot at 963 and then the golf world stopped after that for three months so um lots of videos that week it was just interesting to here because we heard a little bit of the players reactions but it was interesting to hear like rory's reaction uh like paul casey you know all these people just like oh golf shut down for three months um but then it came back obviously with the uh, charles schwab cup challenge and then uh towards the end of june beginning of july on the european tour as well as the senior tours and all that um so obviously rory didn't have a great title defense he shot I think he shot 78 or 79 the first day and never recovered from it. Uh, Sergio Garcia had a hot start and then cooled off. And then it became uh, kind of a duel between three players. And that was Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, and the resurgent 48-year-old Lee Westwood, who played extremely well the week before at Bay Hill and was clipped by Bryson. It kind of 
came down to a battle back and forth, and then Justin Thomas had an extremely uh, hot back nine, punctuated by a very nerve-wracking tee shot on 18, which he almost hooked into the water, but got a fortunate bounce and obviously made par in that hole for a two-shot win over Westwood. And, uh, yeah, he's your new player's champion. Um, after the tumultuous year that he had with uh, <clears throat> using a uh, anti uh, gay slur uh, at the Century Tournament of Champions, losing his uh, clothing provider, Ralph Lauren, uh, going through some uh, counseling and uh, group sessions to try and get better. Um, I really think he's handled this as a class act. Uh, I know he you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's unfortunate, but he's handled himself as a class act. And then the uh, death of his grandfather this year. So it's been kind of a, a rocky 2021 for JT, but uh, with the players championship win really um, cementing him as still a bright young star in the game and vaulting him, obviously number one, with FedEx cup uh, currently going into the match play this week. Yeah. I mean, the players, it was interesting to see, uh, Bryson and Westwood uh, duke it out at Bay Hill. Um, nice to see Westwood kind of back in the mix again. He seems to always go up and down kind of the way golf goes. And then uh, they were backing in again for the players. And then, like you said, JT came through at the end. And, yeah, that that shot on 18 that he almost hooked into the water was was real close, real, real close. I think uh, I don't think he knew how close it was until he actually got there. And uh, he was like, oh, I almost – almost blew it. Um, but he, he, you know, at least he, he's been showing really good mental strength and a strong mental game for all the things that he's gone through so far this year that you had just mentioned, um, to still be competitive and play well. Um, that shows a lot in terms of his mindset and his mental game too, because those things can easily get you down and keep you down for a while potentially. Um, although didn't fare, fare too well today in uh, his match play event. Um, the person who he played against escapes me right now, but he, he did not win his match uh, today. Um, lots of people kind of lots of, lots of big losses today. Rory did not do so well again, and we could talk a little bit more about him and kind of the funk that he's in. Um, and he's hired a new swing coach. Um, so we can just go right into that maybe. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, and, and this has kind of been an interesting thing. Rory has been playing around with a, a lot of things. Um, his current swing coach is Steve Bannon, who obviously he grew up with and has used all throughout his career from Northern Ireland. Um, did get off to a nice start. Abu Dhabi had a chance to win at the beginning of this year in January. We talked about a little bit about that uh, in the monthly match about uh, two episodes ago, uh, but ended up finishing second to Tyrrell Hatton. Um, who is probably was the hottest European tour player until uh, Lee Westwood kind of put in the work this month, um, you know, and then just kind of, man, I would say, you know, farmers insurance open, um, you know, played the waste management Phoenix open. He played a lot of events. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's trying to find form and it's not like his game is completely gone, but it's just not, all together like he had a couple of years ago when he won the FedEx Cup in 2019. He was super consistent. Um, so he's bounced around between putters. Uh, he had a Spider X copper putter that he won all those events with in, in, in 2019 and kept it rolling. Uh, then he went back to the TP Juno, which is a blade style putter the last few tournaments. And then he was spotted yesterday. I know the equipment junkie, fully equipped golf. Golf WRX uh, spotted him with a Spider X chalk putter using a super stroke grip, um, which is a very popular grip on putters that um, a lot of people on the PGA Tour and people including myself use on, on, on my putter. Um, so trying to get a feel for things, you know, has changed shafts in the driver, um, has switched shafts in the irons. You know, he, he's tried all these things. Um, and, and nothing has stuck so far. Now, it was reported yesterday he's hired well-renowned PGA and European Tour swing coach Pete Cowan um, onto his staff. So as far as what that means with his relationship and Steve Bannon, I don't know. There hasn't been anything um, that has come out in the media or at least as far as I'm aware of. 
Uh, I haven't seen any press conferences today or over the past few days about Rory talking about hiring Pete Cowan or vice versa or Rory's relationship with Steve Bannon. So um, obviously he wants to peak right now because he wants to peak for the Masters, but he got blasted by Poulter. You know, Ian Poulter is a great match play player, and this format suits him. The European Tour used to have a match play event that they played in Spain uh, about five to ten years ago, and Poulter, I think, won that two or three times. So, And we know about his heroics in the Ryder, heroics in the Ryder Cup. Um, Poulter is a great match play player, so it didn't surprise me that he beat him. Now it'll be interesting to see Cam Roy get out of the group stage, because if he doesn't get out of the group stage, that's a little worrisome considering, like we said, it'd be about a week and a half before the Masters. He did commit, however, to play the Valero Texas Open. So, um, you know, he's going to play the next two events, and then probably there's going to be a decent break uh, in between because usually he doesn't play the RBC Heritage. He played it last year because of the shuffled schedule. But, uh, you know, he obviously wants to peak at this time, so it's just kind of interesting with, um, hiring Pete Cowan, and then maybe he'll make some more equipment changes. I don't know. So we'll see in the next couple of weeks what he brings to Augusta. Yeah, he has, um, I think it was maybe after, I can't remember which tournament, but he had, had mentioned that he feels that his swing and I guess his tempo is off a little bit because he has done what every PGA Tour player has done in recent events due to Bryson is chase more speed. Yeah, it feels like that's kind of thrown him off a little bit. And I wonder, I mean, you know, you get to a point, I would assume that, especially for these guys, they they can feel the the smallest changes um, in their swing and all these different things. And if if they're trying to chase more speed so they can get more distance, that's going to throw, you know, their timing off all these things that they've been perfecting and working on for years and, and such nuance. And so maybe just for him, it's he, maybe he doesn't need to chase that speed. Right. I mean, he's, al- he's always been a long hitter. Um, it's not like people are surpassing him significantly in terms of, um, distance. I mean, yeah, Bryson hits it longer than him, but I mean, grossly, he's still above, I would, I'm pretty sure above the tour average. So he's not falling short whatsoever. I think, you know, he was just chasing what's, what's sexy and, trying to trying to go after Bryson's process. And I think that's just something that's illuminating to a lot of people is, you know, you just got to find what works for you. And we've talked about this before kind of ad nauseum on previous podcasts, but Bryson's process works for Bryson. And that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone else. And it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you shouldn't chase speed if you, if you need to, to do it or want to work on it. But just because it's the hot thing to do doesn't mean that it's going to grossly improve your game. Cause clearly we can see at least Rory is blaming his current blunders on chasing speed and, and throwing his game off. Yeah. And you know, I think it was like golf WRX or somebody posted one time, they showed over the past two years, who's gained the most, you know, distance. And obviously Bryson was the biggest. And I think Rory was, was second or third. I mean, he's gained eight yards in two years. Like, he he doesn't need to, to change anything. And maybe that's why he's bringing Pete Callen in. I mean, maybe Pete Callen – I mean, Pete Callen works with guys like Thomas Peters and um, high-level European tour stars and even some of the PGA Tour stars. I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. But he is, he is well, well-known within both the PGA and European tour circles as a, a, a very good swing coach. And he – you know, he tries to simplify it and he tries to make his instruction fun, but make it pertinent to the individual. Um, so maybe that's what Rory's looking for. You know, and there are some people that are chasing Bryson, but there are guys like uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, uh, Brooks Kepka, um, Tommy Fleetwood, and a few others that have said, nah, I'm good with what I have right now. I mean, for example, Dustin and Brooks don't have to gain any distance. I mean, they're already strong enough, powerful enough. Uh, fast enough with club head speed and, and Tommy Fleetwood's not short. I mean, he hits it probably in the low three hundreds. Um, and, and he's just a superb ball striker and he's not going to change anything. Cause he's, 
you know, he, he's not winning as much lately, and he's one of the guys, like, we could go through a list of players that haven't won on the PGA Tour yet. Tommy Fleetwood is one that, that shocks me that he hasn't won on the PGA Tour yet. But Fleetwood knows his game. He knows, like, his irons and his wedges, and when his putter's hot, it's good. And that his driving is pretty good for the most part. I mean, he can poke it out there a little bit past the average, um, which I believe is in the, the mid to high 290s now, which is crazy to think about. But uh, he's not too concerned. So, um, you know, you got some players that, that are going to chase a little bit, and you got some players that are not going to chase a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's the, the thing of the PGA Tour. You, you know, you see guys that make swing changes. Jordan Spieth, a great example, over the past two and a half, three years, he struggled, and now he's starting to put it together. You know, and obviously one today over Matthew Pitt, Fitzpatrick, who's another great ball striker. He's not long, but he's accurate, you know. You're always going to have guys on the PGA Tour. For every Brooks, Dustin, uh, and Bryson or Rory, you're going to have a Brendan Todd or a Colin Morikawa or, or somebody that's very accurate. So it's not like accuracy is dead. It's just accuracy is not as much as a premium as it used to be. Right. I mean, go back to – we can we can lead this right into the Masters, which only happened like four months ago now. But, um, I mean, yeah, but I mean, think about again, like Bernard Langer, right? I mean, he was up there with the best of them this past masters. And I mean, he's not bombing it at all, but he's just playing his game, staying consistent, hitting it where he wants to. And, you know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't win obviously, but he stayed up there with the best of them. I mean, he did better, I think better than Bryson did. Um, (laughs) so just goes to show you that again distance isn't everything um but we do have the masters in two weeks yeah uh, very quick turnaround uh obviously again with last year with the shuffled schedule it was moved to november and now we have it again as the first major right after it was held and obviously we know or if you don't know dustin johnson is the reigning champ obviously he'll be there uh defending his title and it should be an interesting Masters, right? I mean, again, we just talked about Rory. He's still trying to hit his his Grand Slam for majors. And there's lots of other folks who uh, are trying to win their first. Uh, one person who doesn't look like he's going to make the cut, who's been there for a while, is is uh, Ricky Fowler, which is slightly disappointing to see. But he's just been in a funk. And a lot of people are talking about that he's probably the most overrated golfer right now in in golf Mm. that come from nick faldo probably (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and and, you know ricky you know he he is a guy that kind of mentioned in the same breath as like a a tony finau like for example tony finau has only won one time in the bga tour but his consistency is off the charts right now. Um, Ricky Fowler's kind of in that, that vein. Um, at one time, you know, before he won the Wells Fargo, I think it was in like 2012. It's like, when Ricky going to win a, a PGA Tour event? Okay, wins it. Then the question was, okay, when's he going to win a big tournament? Then he wins the 2015 players. Now the question is, is he going to win again? And is he going to win a major? Okay. Um, yes, he is really... Boy, you want to talk about a guy. So two guys that changed positions, Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler. Three, two years ago, Ricky Fowler was unbelievable. Um, And I believe it was 2016 or 2017, he finished top four in all four majors, uh, which hadn't been done since Spieth did it in 2015 when he won the Masters U.S. Open and finished tied for, I think, third at the British Open, I think was uh, tied for second at the PGA. now they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Jordan's started to pick it back up, um, and Ricky is really struggling. I mean, Ricky's tried a bunch of different things. So, um, you know, he changed putters. He went from his trusty Scotty Cameron blade, put a graphite LA Lab shaft, which is the same shafts that Bryson has in all of his clubs, even the putter. Yes, he has a graphite shaft putter. Okay, maybe it might have blew some people's minds, but that's the way it's going. Um, Tried that. That worked very well. Didn't find it. Borrowed a a friend's old Scotty Cameron. I think I remember 
Might have been Bay Hill week. Um, didn't get anything done with that the first day, I think. Um, he's tried the, the Scotty Cameron mallet, very similar to Justin Thomas's. I mean, he's been all over the board with putting because his uh, strokes game putting has been bad. Um, Woods have stayed pretty consistent. He's, you know, obviously still Cobra Puma Golf. Obviously, you can recognize him from the apparel. That's not going to change. Uh, using the Cobra Rad Speed Driver and some other things. The Irons have been the interesting saga. So he has been, he had a set of irons, which are called the Cobra Rev 33s. And the reason they're called Rev 33s is they took 33 revisions to get the final. So he did that. Uh, I believe he put Dynamic X7s or X100s in, then went to S400s. Then the interesting experiment that a lot of people are doing, they're putting in this Mitsubishi MMT-125 graphite shaft. So it's a 125-grand shaft, but um, it has similar stiffness to steel, but better shot dispersion, so he tried that. Then last week at the Honda Classic, he put in some Cobra cavity backs instead of the blades so he could strike the ball a little bit better, have a little more forgiveness. So um, he's just trying to find anything right now. He really wants to play the Masters, obviously, because he hasn't missed one in I don't know how long. Um, and he's just trying to find anything at this point. Um, and it's unfortunate to see him really struggle. Um, do I think he's the most overrated golfer? No, but could you maybe make that sentiment at this point? Possibly. But um, he's just struggling right now. He's trying to find anything he can. You know, he has not abandoned his caddy, Joe Scavone. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people would say, well, it's because he's got married. That's a lot of the reason people used to say speed struggled last two years is only just got married. Um, so, but, but I don't know. I think I, I want to see him get back to form because I think golf is better with him. He's a great guy. He's a great personality. He's great off the course. Um, he's, he's kind of part of the PGA tour brand. Uh, he's got people interested kind of. Ricky effect a little, not as much as the Tiger effect or stuff like that, but has a little bit. But I know his friends like Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas, uh, those guys want to see him play well, uh, contend in majors, be a part of Ryder Cups, Presidents Cups. Uh, but right now he's just trying to find form to put four rounds together in a tournament because he's putting about one or two good rounds together and then just kind of bombing the other ones. Yeah, it would be nice to see him get back, and I would agree. I don't think he's the most overrated that was just something I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, spurring around on social media. I think part of it also comes from is just like he continues to be featured in all these different brands, commercials and whatnot. And I guess people are confused as to why they're still using Ricky when he's not performing well. But I mean, he's very recognizable um, and people people love him. I mean, he's a good guy. Um, he's just likable, right? I mean, ever since he rocked full orange with long super straight hair basically uh i mean it's hard hard to not forget him and i mean he's carried carried cobra puma for a long ride um has really brought them to to where they are today for the most part um because you know i mean honestly he's he's just been rocking them since day one for the most part yeah Um, i think he started i think he started off with a titleist club deal but he had puma on um, and then when Puma or Cobra acquired Puma, I think it was a, he just gravitated towards that. And it was just a match made in heaven. And, you know, like you said, it's really both brands have helped each other out. And, uh, you know, Ricky Fowler had his own style. And I think that was kind of the Ricky effect is people were like, oh, this dude, you know, dresses cool. He hits the golf ball, you know, pretty well. Uh, he, he's, you know, he could win tournaments. He's just fun. Uh, this guy used to be a motocross dude. That's pretty awesome. You know, all these cool things about him, but he was a, a down-to-earth guy. And um, I think that's what helped the brand and just helped him be likable and continue to be likable. And he's he's a marketable guy. I mean, and, and, you know, yeah, he's not playing well, but he's a marketable guy. And that's why he's the face of uh, Cobra Golf, Puma, you know, rocket mortgage, all these things that he's sponsored by, he is marketable and he is a recognizable face that regardless of how he plays, hopefully it turns into better rather than worse. He's still a guy that a lot of people like. Yep. 
Well, let's talk about maybe what do we think the chances of Dustin Johnson repeating uh, a win at the Masters? And and if not, maybe who who's going to usurp him, basically? Boy, um, well, one is he was, you know, we, we know this about Dustin. He drives the ball extremely well, very far. I mean, ever since he, he turned to that, that slight fade, He's been very straight too. Um, great iron player, very much improved wedge player. Really working hard on his wedges. It's it's all about the putter. It all comes down to the putter, and and he putted extremely well at the Masters. Now, very few players can go back to back in a major. However, um, this major was played in November, and it's now being played in April. Okay. Um, slightly different conditions, obviously. I will be very interested to see. I think it's going to be in great shape. It'll be very interesting to see. Uh, obviously, it's going to play more typical master style. It'll be a little bit firmer, a little bit faster. Uh, in the fall, it was a little bit softer. Um, there was still, you know, a good amount of pace on the greens, good amount of break undulation. You know, typical holes got people 12, 16, uh, 15, you know, stuff like that down the stretch. Um, I mean, he's got very good. I don't, it, I don't think he's going to win it. Now, who's going to usurp him? That's a great question. Uh, right now, uh, two guys that are questionable. Obviously, Brooks Kepka is one uh, due to the recent news, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, number two, we don't know if Ricky Fowler is going to play. Um, some guys I look at, uh, you know, number one, people are going to think I'm crazy. I, I look at Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth won here in 2015. And then I believe he had a chance in 2017, if not for bombing uh, number 12 with Race Creek. Um, so, you know, it, it, you know, if his, if obviously if his ball stacking is driving, because this is a shot shaper's course, um, you got a putt wall, obviously, but this is a shot shaper's course. If, if Spee's on, he can challenge. Um, I like a guy like Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he's really picked up his game the last two years. Uh, played very well in the majors. Obviously, I think Justin Thomas has got to be mentioned. Um, you know, he has a major under his belt, the PGA champ. Uh, now rounding into form after that player's win. Um, if John Rahm plays because his wife is due with their first child the week of the Masters, I think that's another guy to look at. He's been very close, but he may not play at all. So that would be like a dark horse. Um, another dark horse, another couple dark horses I like. Uh, Paul Casey. A great ball striker. Once again, comes down to his putting. Lee Westwood, um, you know, with his resurgence, he took a trip uh, the week after Bay Hill to check, I mean, the week after the players, to check out Augusta with his son because uh, I believe his son's going to be on the bag. So those would be a few guys I would uh, think with the shot shape. Um, but as long as their putter gets going, I think the guys that I mentioned, I think could, uh, could give Dustin a run for his money. And obviously, I, I think Dustin – is a favorite. I just don't know if it went or not. Right. No, I would agree. I think exactly like you said, I would, Dustin's probably, probably is the favorite and will be the favorite barring, you know, any changes from now until then. Um, but like you said, it's, it's very hard to repeat as a major winner. Um, so I think the odds are against him just knowing, you know, knowing the field and just again, probability. Um, does he have a good chance? Of course he does, but anything can happen. I do like your take on Jordan Spieth. Um, I think he's, you know, obviously we know that he's getting hot right now. He's won there before. It would be interesting to see him, to see him win. That's for sure. I do think I do like Paul Casey. He did really well this past masters. And then he kind of just fell apart a little bit. Um, I don't even think he really fell apart. Just other people just did a lot better than he did. Um, yeah. He he ran out of holes too. I mean, if, if you're three or four holes ahead, I mean, that's really hard. I think that's kind of what he ran into too. Yeah. I think, you know, again, people will be talking about Bryson. Um, it'll be interesting to see his approach this time around to see kind of how he, how he does. I still think he's, I think he's too analytical with a lot of stuff. Um, and I think he'll just overthink, overthink the course again. Um, of course, JT's in there. I like, um, Tommy Fleetwood again as a possibility. He, he was pretty close a few years back, I believe. Um, yeah. 
to win. I would also I would also like to think and see Tony Finau if he if he can continue to play well, if he can, you know, have a shot at winning potentially. Um but yeah, I think it's anyone's obviously anyone's game, especially with Brooks potentially not showing up. Um, like you said, we'll talk about that in just a moment, probably. But you know, he you know he may not show up. John Rahm he even said that even if he does start the tournament and his wife goes into labor, that he's leaving. Basically, he won't even he'll just withdraw. Um, I guess the only other thought is Matt Wolf. He he's kind of quiet um since basically his run at uh the US Open or yeah US Open uh last year um but he's been kind of quiet i think he won today in his match play um but he, there hasn't been much talk i don't think he's been playing that much in many tournaments no he uh yeah i think he well he shot that huge round at the work day and he pulled out with a with a wrist um so I don't, I don't think he's played since the work day. Um, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know how truthful I didn't look too much into the wolf wrist injury, but uh, yeah, I mean him, Victor Hovland, Morikawa, Morikawa, the winner of the work day, uh, which was just after we, I think we had, I think we had done, done the podcast yeah. when they, the day before they were starting that Morikawa one. Yep. I mean, obviously those three, you know, are, are mentioned. The other guy I forgot to mention, I love the Tony Finau pick. He just has to putt well. That is really, honestly, he has been one of the top ball strikers, top drivers, top guy around the green. It's just when his putter leaves him, it's it, that is the thing that's been costing him. The other guy was the guy who finished second last year, Cameron Smith. The only mm-hmm. guy who shot uh, in the 60s all four rounds did not win. Um that's a guy I'll be interested to see with the the change and stuff like that. Now he grew up in Australia. He's used to win firm and fast, stuff like that. Um, but I'll be interested to see if he can uh, relay that second place finish the year before into another top five or possibly uh, ascend to the top. I mean, that's a very comfortable golf course for him. He's a pretty good – he can move it both ways. Um, he has become a very good putter. Um, and uh, – <clears throat> You know, was around uh, around the weekend of the players. He was around the workday for a little bit. Um, so, you know, he's a he's a guy that is starting to get more comfortable on the PGA Tour. So, um, that's one guy I forgot to mention that I'll be interested to watch him. That's for sure. Now, we have mentioned that Brooks may not may or may not show up. He said that he's going to let his body tell him. Uh, if he's going to show up or not, we know very little on Brooks's knee injury that he sustained at the, was it Honda classic or was it the players? No, he did. He pulled out of both players. Um, No, he didn't play in either one. It was, uh, it may, it may have been at the, it may have been at the work day. Um, because he didn't play Bay Hill and then all of a sudden, um, like the Wednesday or Thursday before he pulled out said he had a right knee issue and there was nothing further elaborated on. Then he said he had to pull out of the Honda because his brother chase played in it and kind of played good for about two and a half rounds. And then come to find out, uh, March 16th, he had surgery on his right knee. And the only thing that was said, I read the golf week article and they were the first to break it was he had a right, possibly patellar dislocation and some other ligamentous issues, but it wasn't clear what was done because he posted a picture on social media on his Instagram that said the only way to go is up. He was using what's called an alt G treadmill, which reduces gravity, um, especially for ACL patients, meniscus patients, stuff like that. It's a good way to reduce the loading significantly. He is still working with the, the guy he had been working with before Derek Samuels, was a physical therapist in San Diego. Um, so he has been out there at least as far as I know for a couple weeks now, but like you said, at the end of the article, they asked him if he would commit to the masters. And he said, I don't know. I will let my body decide. So it is very unclear what he had done. Um, and it is very unclear what his rehab looking like, what his timetable to return is. And if he will make the masters or what further tournaments 
he may miss because there was really no indication of this knee injury uh, because he obviously won the Phoenix Open, which is an hour and a half south of me in February. And then he finished tied for second at the uh, Workday Championship, had the 36-hole lead, and I believe was only trailing by two or three going into the final round uh, against Colin Morikawa. Um, so he is he is returned to form, and it was just kind of weird to see him uh, with this injury. And I, nobody knows how this happened, or or why this happened, or what did. Which most injuries that is the case, um, and there has not been any timetable set. Um, I'm pretty sure only Brooks, his team, uh, Derek Samuel, his his physical therapist, and other people around him know it, but uh, Brooks a lot of times likes to keep things close to the vest. So I would imagine we will not know more for probably about another week or so. Yeah. It sounds like, like you said, they barely mentioned something about his kneecap. And like you said, it sounds like it was dislocated. So if I'm going to assume things and take a guess as to what happened, most, most, kneecap dislocations go to the side in terms of like uh laterally or towards the outside of your body not towards the middle of your body um that's not pretty tip that's not very typical and if it dislocates enough or it's severe enough you can tear some ligaments that are on the inside part of the kneecap that you know can keep it in place and kind of keep it attached where it's supposed to be if they repaired uh, that ligament, which is the MPFL, we'll just name it that because it's, that's it's short. Uh, typically, in my experience, um, I mean, in the one picture we saw them on crutches. People are on crutches; their weight bearing is tolerated usually, but they're limited with how far they can bend their knee for like the first month to six weeks. Um, so, if that's the case, I would put money down that Brooks is not participating in the masters or anything anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, again, we don't know the extent of his injury or the surgery or what happened, but if I had to take a guess, that would be my guess. Um, just basically knowing that it was a, a knee dislocation or a kneecap dislocation. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can recover quickly, do well again, things that are, are going well for him or, you know, he's young, healthy, relatively you know in really good shape takes care of himself so he should heal well he's in good hands with his pt they obviously have state-of-the-art stuff they have an alt an alt g treadmill like andrew had mentioned um that's you know lots and lots of money i'm sure that they may be doing maybe even some blood flow restriction um to again load it as much as they can within reason and safely but we don't know much and kind of like andrew said Brooks doesn't really like to spill a lot of things. So we, we probably won't know until right before the masters. And when we don't see Brooks in Augusta, we'll know. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's the thing that, that Joe and I want to mention. Um, these are high level athletes. He's got a lot of money from winning PGA tour events and from sponsors. So he has unlimited access to physical therapy or high-level care from top sports medicine, whether it's physicians, uh, physical therapists, uh, massage therapists, personal trainers, you know, all of these things. So um, for the average everyday person, they're not going to get this kind of care, um, unfortunately. But that's why Joe and I do what we do is we kind of work with um, individuals, whether it's within the general population or golf performance, fitness, things like that, that want to get better, but usually they're on the amateur or kind of uh, beginner novice, maybe, you know, some advanced higher level amateur players, but nothing on the professional level compared to a guy like Derek Samuels, who um, uh, works with a lot of high level athletes and Brooks Kepka is one of them. So um, yeah, he's going to have access to higher level type of care. He's, I don't know what, how quickly, you know, he could recover quickly, um, you know, cause he's, he's younger. He just turned 30 or he's about to turn 30. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see. Um, 
just because there was no clue on this. And then they kind of gave minimal details. And that's why Joe and I are speculating. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long he's out. He may be out for a month. He may be out, you know, through the summer. Um, or, you know, who knows? We don't know. They kind of know, but um, we'll just see. Yeah. The big thing is with that surgery, if it was an MPFL reconstruction, you're not allowed to bend your knee because they want that ligament to heal yep. and they don't want to ruin the integrity of the surgery basically. And that yep. would bending the knee past a certain degree would stretch out that ligament even more, which we don't want to do because that could allow the kneecap to again, move too far laterally and dislocate just kind of causing you know, another injury basically. Yeah. So, and, again, and the interesting thing is right now in the clinic, I have a 28 year old female who had an MPFO reconstruction and uh, they don't want you doing a whole lot the first six weeks with that. Like you said, they don't want you um, bending it usually beyond like 90 degrees for, for six weeks. Um, yeah. Because like, that's because like Joe said, it puts too much tension on that ligament or the, the other case is because you've had a previous dislocation, then that kneecap, you know, could possibly work that way. Because like I've said before, and I'm sure Joe has said many times, the future uh, predictor of injury risk is previous injury is the best indicator um, of that. So um, those are just kind of little, little tidbits on that. Yep. Speaking of injuries, we'll just touch on, since we did a lot on Tiger last time, Again, we don't know much else out of his story. We just know that he's back in Florida. Um, he's doing well and recovering well and seems to be in better spirits, um, which is good. Um, there hasn't been much else out about his injury or how he's actually recovering. Um, but again, it's going to be a slow, slow, very long road for Tiger. Um, it's It's not going to be quick, that's for sure. And again... I don't know if he's ever going to play high-level competitive golf again. Will he play competitive okay. golf again? Probably just to test it out. Is he going to do well? That's another question. Yeah. Odds are he'll probably still play better than most of us ever will play. Um, but um, I don't know if he's ever going to you know, see the likes of Tiger again. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the thing is we talked about this after his third third uh, back surgery. You know, would we see Tiger? And obviously, he wins the 2018 Tour Championship and then the 2019 Masters, which is great. This is a whole different story. I mean, he had just recently had a, a I believe a fourth or fifth back surgery at the end of December. Unfortunately, he had this significant car accident, where I believe he had three surgeries. Um, but the good news is he's back in Florida, so. One of the harder parts of what he had to deal with is done after the recovery in the hospital, then discharged from um, the uh, physicians that were attending to him and things like that to allow him to travel back to Florida. Now the other hard part begins, and that is the rehab. Um, and we're talking more than likely months of rehab. This is um, obviously kind of like the Brooks Skepka situation. Tiger has plenty of money from sponsorships and everything. So he can get high level care. Uh, but the question is, we don't know how he's going to respond to that uh, rehab. And then as far as, are they going to take that, that rod that he has in his lower leg out, or if they're going to take the plates and the screws out of his ankle or with the other surgical stuff that they did, um, if they're going to have to go in and do further surgeries. Um, and obviously the thing that compounds his, uh, his uh, recovery is he's now 45. He'll turn 46. Uh, in December. So he's not as young as he used to be um, compared to if this were to happen to like when Tiger was like 28 or 30, uh, this would, would be a little bit easier. It'd still be difficult, but um, Tiger's going to have months and months of rehab. And obviously we'll probably get a little sneak peek into it, but we won't get the full details out unless Tiger wants to spill it. Um, but yeah, he's going to have a very hard, uh, arduous and, and long recovery process. Then from that, we will have a better picture of, you know, when he can swing a golf club again, when he can maybe 
think about playing in a, a tournament, whether it's something like the Father Son Challenge or even just the PGA Tour event, or if he's just going to hang it up for, for good or only play a handful of events here and there or just what he's going to do. It's still lots of unknowns, uh, kind of like Brooks Kepka, but especially for Tiger, we're, we're probably not going to know for, for months because um, now he's back in Florida. We may not know until like the end of the summer, like August or maybe even September, like what his status is going to be. Because obviously the thing is he's probably not going to play this year at all, the rest of this year at all, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but we, we might get a better picture at the end of the summer, beginning of fall, August, September, uh, kind of where he's at. Yeah, I think the big the big and good thing to note is, like you said, they allowed him to travel back. Again, we don't know anything, but sounds like, you know, luckily there hasn't been any infection, which is a, yeah. was a big worry. That is a, um, that is a huge thing. So, guys, um, I don't want to plug something, but uh, Project 11, Alex Smith's uh, documentary of ESPN uh, 60 for 60, details a very similar thing. It was a different type of fracture but it details the similar uh, kind of rehab process that Tiger may have. Um, and Alex Smith did get infection. He got MRSA, which is a very serious uh, flesh-eating bacteria. And um, Alex Smith literally could have lost his leg. Uh, but it's it's something if you want to kind of get an idea into a little bit of rehab or what some of these athletes, especially Alex Smith, I mean, it's a two-year process. I would highly recommend that, that doc, but that's the only thing I'm going to plug on that. Yeah, and then I think the other big thing for me is what is really, I think, going to delay Tiger is, again, what we're assuming that they had to cut the skin open to relieve that pressure like we talked about. And, I mean, we're not talking a small little small little cut here. We're talking a big cut with exposed muscle, and it's huge. And it's if you ever look a picture up of a fasciotomy, just beware because it's going to be very graphic. Yeah. Um, so if yeah. you don't, if you don't handle something like that well, don't look it up. But, I mean, he probably still has that open slightly, would be my guess. Um, and that's going to have to be continued to be monitored as time goes on and as he um, progresses. It will. They will obviously close it up completely. But, again, it's going to have to be continued to be monitored, especially he's, as he starts to get more active. Because, again, we're going to have more blood into that area. Things are going to be working. We need to make sure they need to make sure that it doesn't again compartmentalize into a lot of pressure. And again, what would be terrible would have to have another fasciotomy and cut it open to relieve pressure. So it's going to be a lot of close monitoring on that as well. And I think that's going to be the big kind of factor on how fast or how quick he can get back, let alone all the other stuff. But that's going to play a big role, I think. Yeah, and, and what Joe's talking about with the fasciotomy, we're not talking like uh, maybe like foot. It's going, it's probably going from down to the ankle, almost all the way up to the knee. Um, and like Joe said, they open up the skin, they go through the connective tissue, which is called the fascia, um, and they're exposing muscle. So um, if you do look up that that image on Google, you will probably see uh, muscle, lower leg muscle. Um, so just kind of be aware of that if some of you are, are squeamish or, or grossed out by it. But uh, that's what a fasciotomy is. Yeah. So, you know, obviously nothing but the best for both Tiger and Brooks. Hopefully they both recover quickly and can both return to uh, playing golf again and hopefully at a high level. But um, I would say that that's pretty much it for this edition of the monthly mash um we will by the time we do this again we will have another masters champ whether it will or will not be dustin johnson we will we will see all i know is that i will be having some pimento cheese on that weekend so i hope everyone else does the same well i'm interested to see what what dj does to the champions dinner because the mention was uh he may do the sandwiches that they do around there like the uh the the chicken chicken uh I don't know if it, I think it's like a, it's almost like a Chick-fil-A thing type deal. Yeah, um, I think then so. They have the, then they have the pimento cheese and they have the egg salad. and I think they have one more. I think there's like four sandwiches they have. Yeah, um, I think there's four. Yeah, yeah. So someone mentioned you may do those sandwiches, which I think would be epic. Um, but yeah, DJ will do the Champions Dinner, the one who gets to do the Champions Dinner, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to see that. Also, guys, um, 
for those of you living where Joe lives, kind of in the Northeast, Midwest, or any place that has snow, the next monthly match, some of you may be on the golf course. So you may be thinking, what should I start to work on at the beginning of golf season? Whether it's golf fitness, golf performance, maybe a warm-up, maybe some things you're looking to do in the gym to keep in within season, or just anything, uh, tips, things like that. Now would be the perfect time for the next month to ask us questions on that so we could get something prepared for the next monthly match um, or any specific programming that you would or just insights videos that you would like to see from Joe and I. I know one that was mentioned that Joe and I are talking about and I'm going to start to put together is kind of a golf over like 50, kind of the older um, golf or fitness thing, like what's appropriate, what's not. What should you do? What are things that are good? What are things that you can do daily? What are things you should only do a few times a week? What are some things that you should do before maybe hitting the range or more maybe before hitting the course, stuff like that. So we're always looking for those kind of suggestions. Um, also, Joe does a lot of uh, Friday Q&A on his Instagram, so don't hesitate to ask uh, Joe some questions on his Friday Q&A on his Instagram. Um, or just any of us, don't hesitate to send us a direct message, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, because usually our username or links are in uh, below on the podcast or in the comments area. Yep. No, go ahead and ask those questions. Also, I don't know the exact date, but big shout out to everyone in the UK that's going to be able to start to return to playing golf in at least the next week. That's all I know. Yeah, but- I think I have something like that because people... <laughs> Both you and I follow a lot of the, the English guys. Um, a lot of those guys are really awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll be fun for them, <laughs> you know, with, with everything. Uh, obviously, we've been fortunate here. A lot of states um, have been willing to keep golf courses open as a part of like park and rec funding or just because you can socially distance. Um, unfortunately, for like places like the United Kingdom and things like that, they didn't see it that way. So, um, but you know, Hopefully those guys get out, smash it, you know, uh, enjoy yourselves hopefully in the next week or two. All right, everyone, that wraps up this week's episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. As always, Andrew and I are forever grateful for having you to listen to us and just taking the time out of your day to download and listen to this week's episode. As we know, there are lots of other things that you can be doing and you chose to spend your time listening to us. And like I said, for that, we are forever grateful. But please go ahead and make sure that you go ahead and check out that resource in the show notes to make sure that you have mobility in the right spots for this upcoming golf season. Other than that, we will officially wrap this episode up. Keep working hard, keep striving for excellence in everything you do, because when you feel great, you go off great. 